Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and this is Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. As a mom of four kids in New York City and a writer myself, I know all too well how short everyone is on time, so I'm here to help. I'm going to interview authors and writers of all types about their work, especially as it relates to parenting and family issues. Hopefully you can listen while doing 8 million other things and fall in love with these talented scribes and their fantastic books, essays, and songs like I have, plus get some tips on surviving parenthood. For more about me, you can check out my essays at zibbyowens.com. Also, this episode has been sponsored by Chloe's Fruit, the cool way to eat fruit. I'm here today with Sarika Chawla. Sarika is a Los Angeles-based writer and editor and mother of two. By day, she does marketing for the travel and tourism industry. In her spare time, she writes about women's health and parenting. Her freelance work has been featured in places like Salon, Vice, and the Washington Post. Her recent piece on abortion after 20 weeks, which started with a moving story about her best friend's troubled twin pregnancy, was selected for an honorable mention in ASJA's 2018 awards. You can learn more about her on her website, sarikachala.com. I actually discovered um, Sarika Chala on Facebook, um, her essay, which was called How I'm Raising My Kids to Have a Healthy Relationship with Food Despite My Eating Disorder, was published in the Washington Post's on parenting section, and I just thought it was awesome, so I reached out to her. Hi, Sarika. It's Sibby Owens from Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Hi. How are you? How are you? Good, good. Good. Well, thanks so much for doing the podcast. Oh, no worries. Yeah, I know it's crazy for you, too. So I don't know. How, many, how old are your kids? <laughs> Um, my kids are, I have twins who are almost 11, a four-year-old, oh. almost five-year-old, and a three-year-old. Wow. Okay. That's, yeah. <laughs> I remember when I had just one and I was like, I'm so tired all the time. And now I have two and I'm like, how does anyone do more than this? <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's crazy. And how old are your kids yeah. again? <laughs> uh, my son is six and my daughter is uh, 20, 21 months. So. So cute. Yeah. It's very <laughs> cute. Yeah. And they're at an age now where they can like interact with each other, which is nice. That, yeah, that does make life easier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, they play together now. <laughs> uh, sometimes not so well for mine, but no, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, sure. Yeah, there is that. Well, because now she's at the age actually where she's like annoying to him, which is kind of funny. Like, right. And he's like, leave me alone. And she's like, ah, but she's also really pushy. So it's very cute to watch. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, I wanted to talk today more about your Washington Post on Parenting article about how you sure. had had uh, eating disorders of your own, um, diagnosed or not, and how you find that impacting your kids. Um, yeah, absolutely. So the beginning of your essay was just so amazing. You paint a picture of pouring butter into your kids' waffles and a lot into your little boys and maybe less so into your little girls. And then you say, this is how it starts. Talk to me about this. Yeah, that was, I mean, I don't know if that was an aha moment or just like something that really stood out in my mind is like, oh boy, okay, I need to like take stock of what I'm doing here because, so my son is six um, and, you know, he's on the smaller side. He's just like a smaller kid and he's very thin. Um, He eats okay. And, um, you know, I just wanted to sort of make sure that he's like strong and healthy. Um, and so I'm very like liberal about just giving him extra calories, you know, wherever I don't really think about it much. Um, and my daughter, she's almost two and she's a solid little thing. I think she's kind of built like me. Um, and her doctor did comment once that like, okay, time to like switch to low fat milk. Um, and so when I was literally just, you know, spreading that butter and realizing that he had a lot more than she did, I'm like, Oh boy, this, it, it brought up a whole, like, well of emotions in terms of weight and also gender, um, you know, that it's okay to give the boy more because he has to be big and strong, but the girl has to be small. Um, so that's kind of where it all 
came together in my head that this is something I need to think about and address. Well, you did so in a really moving way. So thanks for getting it down on paper for us. <laughs> um, oh, thank you. <laughs> no, it's true. It was really, I really, really liked it. That's why I'm interviewing you. Um, you say uh, in your piece that your eating disorder was never diagnosed officially, that you weren't thin enough to be hospitalized or obesity level heavy, yet you were consumed, you said obsessed with the scale on your body. Um, can you tell me about what it was like for you growing up with your focus on eating and weight and what made it disordered in your mind? Sure. So, I mean, it goes back to when I was very young, probably eight or nine. I hit puberty very early as well. I was about nine. Um, and so my body was changing at a very, very young age. Um, and again, I was sort of, you know, just, I think they called me sturdy back then. Um, I was never a thin girl. And so it, it just began very young with the pediatrician saying, okay, the kids need to eat more vegetables, but, you know, not much, so much junk food. And my mom being like, I'm trying, but I can't, you know, control everything they eat. <laughs> right. Um, I had a sweet tooth, you know, I loved, I just love sweets. Um, and so, uh, you know, I became very conscious of my appearance and, um, you know, just, just how I looked when I was probably eight or nine. It was just, it was too, almost too young for a girl to really be dealing with that. Um, and so then I started dieting when I was, I want to say like 15 or so, I think it was after my sophomore year. Um, and I lost some weight and, you know, I was really proud of myself and I was exercising and watching what I ate. Um, and back then it was the nineties and that was the, uh, low fat revolution. Everything was low fat. Um, and to me that was a revelation. I'm like, I can have cookies because they're, they have no fat in them. Right. Um, because we had snack wells and all those, um, you know, what I didn't understand or what nobody really talked about was that they were loaded with sugar. So I was really messing up my, my metabolism by eating nothing but bagels and, low fat cookies and just anything that was, you know, high carbs, um, but low fat was okay. And so I did lose weight. Um, and I felt really great about myself and people noticed, um, but I just messed up my metabolism pretty drastically. Um, and it was just all consuming. And I think that's pretty normal for teenage girls, um, which is unfortunate. And so we would just sit around all during our free periods, just talking about food, just talking about, you know, how many calories are in a bagel? How many calories are in that? And, you know, well, I love eating this, but I can't because, my, you know, my mom said it's going to make me fat. Not mine, but my friend said that. Um, so that's, it was just kind of, it drove everything. It was always there. Um, you know, even gym class was like, well, are we running fast enough to burn calories? Um, so everything that we did and talked about and thought about was sort of, there was, food was always there. Um, and then it became really problematic in like day-to-day -day things like going out to eat with my family. Um, I would order like grilled fish with no oil on it, no butter. Uh, and then one day a fish showed up and it had like some oil, I think that came from the fish itself because it was a fattier fish. And I was crushed. I was devastated because I'm like, no, I can't eat it because there's fat on it. And I'm trying to like mop up the fat. Um, and my parents are just looking at me being like, what is wrong? Like what's happening? Um, but at the same time, since I was losing weight, everyone's like, well, she's doing such a good job. This is okay. Um, so that's where it all kind of started uh, was it grows and becomes consuming. Um, and then, of course, I, I became a binge eater too. Um, you know, I'd be so obsessed with sugar and my body was craving so much sugar that I would go through like half a box of cereal every night. Um, you know, I'd be doing my homework. I'd eat a bowl of cereal with my fingers, just, you know, no milk or anything, just dry cereal. Um, super sweet stuff too. It was like cinnamon toast crunch and golden grams. Um, and I would just eat one bowl after another until it was almost all gone. So it was just a lot of unhealthy habits that grew upon one another. 
and really impacted like me mentally and physically. I have to say that could have just been me talking. <laughs> there were so many similarities <laughs> down to the snack wells. And I'm like, can she see me sitting here with my life cereal bowl that I eat with my fingers and my computer? Oh my goodness. Anyway, I com- I completely yeah. relate. I feel like um, maybe having grown up in, in about the same time and um, all the fascination on food and the low fat and all these all these trends. I just, anyway, I completely, uh, yeah, I'm completely relating with, with everything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Um, I think a lot of women do. And and I did go to therapy later in college. I've joined a group therapy. Um, the school psychologist, you know, just held something small for some women and, and we all walked into that room and we all sat down talking about snack wells. So it was pretty common. (laughs) I, I had a similar moment with some scrambled eggs at a, at a wedding brunch once. And it was like the only thing and oh. they were drenched in butter. And I was like, I can't eat this. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> everyone's Even like, what's wrong with you? Shivers. It's scrambled yeah. eggs. So. <laughs> um, anyway, enough of my issues. Um, so yeah. in your piece, you say uh, you desperately want your kids to remain free from your burdens. And in the article, you outline a few steps at the end that can help. Um, some of the things you mention are having dinners as a family, limiting social media, being easier on yourself, not talking about your own weight, not labeling foods as good, bad, healthy, or unhealthy. Um, which of these things do you feel like you need to work on the most? Like which is the hardest for you? And then maybe which is the easiest for you? Sure. So uh, the hardest thing for me to incorporate into our lifestyle is eating together. Um, and that's because it really takes, it's a family effort to make that happen. And my husband's not so into the idea. He, he gets the concept of it, but if I'm coming home from work, he's feeding the kids at five, like that's just not going to happen. Um, and then weekends roll around and it's just sort of hard to like organize everybody to, okay, it's time to sit down at the table together and like not look at our devices. Um, so I'm trying to ease up on myself and that guilt a little bit because even though we don't all sit together and eat, um, you know, the kids will sit together and then my husband and I kind of eat when we can. Um, often in front of the TV, uh, but we do interact a lot. You know, I'm in and out of the kitchen while they're eating or my husband will be, or, you know, I'll, somebody will be making food. It's just, it's, there's a lot of movement in our house. So I try not to worry too much that we're not sitting around a table together and just sort of try to focus on the fact that we're communicating, um, while we eat. So I think that's one step. Um, I've gotten a lot better about not creating that line between good and bad food. Um, And that started with my son. I think, you know, I always feed my kids at least one fruit or vegetable with their meal. So they'll have whatever, chicken nuggets and apples or something. So that's standard in our house and they expect that. Um, But I stopped trying to define that as here's the good food that you have to eat um, in order to get your cookie. You know, if they eat it, great. If they don't finish it, fine. They still get the cookie. Um, And recently with my daughter, she's little, she was in her high chair and she saw her brother getting a cookie after he finished eating and she started making noises for it. And I thought, you know what, let's just see what happens. So I put the cookie on her tray along with the rest of her food. Um, She still had chicken and some carrots and some apples or something. And she ate the cookie, and then she went back to her chicken. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Like, she's not seeing this as a reward or as like a, I have to do this to get that cookie. So I'm trying to do more of that, just incorporating everything. Sometimes they have yogurt for dessert, and to them that's like also a treat and in my head, I'm like, great, they're getting protein too, but I don't say it out loud. Totally. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just trying to be active. Um, I wasn't a hugely active kid. My family and I didn't do a whole lot outside of going out to eat and going to the movies uh, together. So I'm just trying to do a lot more like 
hiking or just going outside and, you know, I'm not like an outdoorsy person, so it takes some effort on my part too, but just getting them out. And you're in LA, right? Isn't there great hiking there? It is great hiking. It's also like (laughs) hard to park and it gets crowded and hot. And it's just like, it's not my first thing, my go, my first go-to, but I'm I'm trying. I wasn't trying to make it sound like you needed to do it more. (laughs) (laughs) No, I get it though. Yeah. Yeah. There there are options here, which is great. Um, Are there any mistakes you've made with your kids and food? Something you might look back on already and think, oh no, I can't believe I did that. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, daily. Um, I, um, so my son, actually, I put this in the article too. My son also gave me this aha moment, um, where I realized I was overpraising him for making good choices. And so I, I think I tried to give him a bite of my food. I forget what it was. Um, and he said, no, and normally I don't make a big deal out of it, but I'm just like, but you know, I'm just offering it to you because I think you'll like it. I'm not trying to give it to you for any other reason, except I think you might like enjoy it. And I'm trying to expand his palate a little bit. And he just looks at me and he goes, but then I might like it and then you'll be really proud of me and I can't deal with that right now. And I was like, Oh, like I, it's true. Like if he likes something that I'm like, well, you're going to have it for dinner for the next month. You know? <laughs> like, we found a new food for you and we're going to put it in your lunchbox. And you know, I get so happy. I mean, food brings people together. Food's great. I love it. And I love the experience of it and, you know, feeding people. And so it makes me happy when people like my food and I realized I was overdoing it with him. So that's why I tried to just back off makes sense. Um, you also mentioned how kids sense what's going on with their parents eating, even if you're trying to hide it. I mean, I feel like my oldest son can basically read my mind at this point about most things. Um, have you seen your kids sense intuitively things you're trying to hide about your issues with food? Um, nothing's really come up where I feel like they've, you know, caught on to something. Um, you know, my son knows I have a sweet tooth because I'm pretty open about it, even though he doesn't necessarily see me eating those cookies. Um, but, you know, he knows that I, I've certainly said, you know, mommy likes sweet food. Um, and, um, you know, I, I just try not to talk about weight at all. Like, I try not to talk about numbers or scales or anything because my mom and I did that a lot. Um, it was kind of a bonding thing. And so I'm just trying not to pass that on to them that numbers are important. Um, but no, I mean, my son, my daughter's too little, but my son hasn't really said anything to me about like, mommy's weird about food, except that, you know, that thing I mentioned before where I get overexcited if you like something. And so I'm trying to just quiet that down a little bit. So let's make sure he doesn't listen to this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Maybe when he's older. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you you said in your article beautifully that now your relationship with eating has softened more into more of an easygoing partnership than toxic abuse, which I thought was really beautifully put. Uh, I know you've talked about this a little already, but can you give me an example of how it's more easygoing now? Sure. I don't really restrict foods the way I used to. Um, I mean, in that low-fat revolution days, um, I didn't touch cheese for years, which is a tragedy because cheese is amazing. Um you know, I only ate like frozen yogurt instead of real ice cream. Um, so now I feel much more free to eat what I want and I can do it in moderation. I'm not as afraid that if I eat one bite of real ice cream that I'm gonna eat the whole tub. Um, and if I, you know, if I do gain a pound or two, like it's not going to balloon into 20 pounds. Um, so I just feel a lot more free to eat and to really enjoy food. Cause I do love it. I mean, it's, I think a lot of women will say it's a love hate relationship. Um, so now I don't hate food. I just, I love it and I appreciate it and I enjoy it. Um, 
but it's, you know, it's still always there. I'm still always conscious of what do I weigh today? Am I going to weigh the same tomorrow? Is it going to go up or down? So it's kind of always there and it does drive a lot of my choices and decisions. Um, but it's not, it's not consuming and it's not depressing and it's not scary. That's good. Um, so as you watch your daughter growing up, I know she's still in a high chair, but what do you really want mm-hmm. her to know about her body? Like what attitude do you want her to have and what are you going to do to help her get there aside from your suggestions earlier? Um, yeah, it's tricky. I mean, you know, if I, I know myself, I know if I see her starting to put on weight when she's eight or nine, like I did, that I might be like, Oh, let's choose the carrots instead. Um, I hope I don't do that. Um, (laughs) but I just want her to know that, you know, that our body, our shape is our shape. I mean, we are more, we're shorter women. Um, you know, my, I come from a long line of women with like larger thighs. And so that's just how our bodies are shaped. I don't know if hers is, but I think it is. Um, and so that's adorable and that's going to be, you know, that's, that's what you are. Um, and I just, I'm trying to also make sure that my kids are exposed to people of different cultures, different colors, different races, um, to know that the, the norm that I grew up with in a very sort of, you know, white, uh, part of Connecticut, um, isn't the norm around the world. You know, just what, what was the standard of beauty back then has evolved um, as long as I can expose them to more. So I think I just want her to understand that, like, beauty comes in all shapes and sizes as long as she feels really good about herself. Um, and that was another lesson I learned from even just writing this article was, you know, food does impact your body physically, so pay attention to how it makes you feel. Um, and that can actually really inform a lot of good choices because I don't do pancakes with syrup in the morning because it makes me feel sick. So mm-hmm. that's great. That's, you know, I feel better if I have eggs and vegetables um, or toast or something. So I think it's by looking at it, reframing it that way of how does it make you feel, not how is it going to affect your weight will probably be, uh, be beneficial for her. Um, just to what you said a minute ago about your shape being your shape, um, just this little anecdote. I went to a soul cycle class once where the teacher said her whole life she had wondered, why do I have these big thighs? I, I hate the, I hate my thighs. I hate my body. I have these big thighs. She's like, and then she got on a bike and all of a sudden she was this amazing cyclist. And she, all of a sudden she had this aha moment, like, this is what my thighs were there for. So anyway, that's great. I, I, I yeah. sort of like that. Um, like our bodies are made the way they are. We have our skills. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, anyway, it is what it is kind of thing. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so do you have, um, advice for other parents out there who are sort of struggling with the same weight or eating issues, um, in front of their kids? And I know you've given advice already, but is there anything more specific, uh, that you would say to someone out there listening to moms who don't have time to read books, uh, about what they should do or what they can, how they can be easier on themselves? Yeah. I mean, I think that's it. I think moms have to be easier on themselves. Um, you know, our bodies after we give birth are not the same bodies before we gave birth. Um, and that's okay. That's great. Um, and you know, I think you see the world differently when you have kids, you start seeing like ice cream is a joyful experience and not something you have to do when you're sitting by yourself in front of the TV. Um, so I think there's, um, if you feel like food is driving your choices, if you feel like food is like becoming a battlefield between you and your kids, it's 
okay to get help. It's okay to talk to people about it because what you're going through is incredibly common and it's something that people don't talk about a lot um, or don't even really articulate a lot because they just figure, oh, well, you know, I'm trying to lose weight. Like, that's, of course I am. Like, why wouldn't I try to do that? So I think it becomes disordered very quickly and people don't pay attention to that. So I think it's worth getting help or talking to someone if you feel like it's just consuming you. Um, and yeah, I think it's just ease up in yourself. I think make food a joyful experience. You know, the eating around the dinner table is a great idea, but if you can't do that, then again, going out for ice cream, going out to eat together when you can, just anything to make it not about the actual food, but the experience of being together. Um, so that was really insightful and great. Um, I was just wondering what other articles or projects are you working on now? How can we all keep up with your work? Um, cool. Well, my, uh, I have a website that's always in progress, um, because I can never find time to sit down with it. Um, but it's at sarikachala.com. Um, and yeah, I just do some occasional writing, um, usually about topics that I'm passionate about. Um, you know, I have a full-time job in marketing, so that's, I fit in writing when I can, um, and my, my full-time job is also writing and editing, so I am in front of a computer all day long. Um, but, yeah, I just at zarakachala.com, there's some links to my articles, and I do some stuff for the Washington Post and for Vice and lots of stuff for L.A. Parent Magazine. So, yeah, you can follow along. Awesome. And as a last question, you know, as a journalist and a marketing executive and a mom of two, how do you manage it all? Does anything fall through the cracks more than other things? I mean, I fall through the cracks mostly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's no time for myself. But no, it's all stuff that I love. Um, I have a really supportive husband. He's the one, like I said, he's the one who's putting dinner on the table for the kids for the most part. Um, so yeah, he's he's super supportive. Um, everything I do, I really enjoy. I mean, I'm lucky that I'm able to have a full time job that involves writing and editing and dealing with words, and that then I'm sort of have that mental space to then go pursue topics that I'm passionate about. That's awesome. Well, thank you so, so much for being on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. <laughs> thank um, you. I appreciate it. Thank you for talking, and um, I wish you all the best. Thank you. Uh, yeah, let me know when it's uh, all complete, and I'll, I'll share it around. Thank you so much. All right, take care. All right, thanks. Bye. You too. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books with Zibby Owens. You can learn more at zibbyowens.com. Uh, this episode has been sponsored by chloesfruit.com, the cool way to eat fruit at chloesfruit.com. Uh, please subscribe uh, and follow the podcast. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm.